God, that's what we proclaim tonight, Lord, that you are a champion, Lord, that whatever it is that we set aside, whatever it is that we need, that you will help desperately caring that, Lord, there will be a breakthrough. That, Lord, that we trust you to lead the way, to carry that, to be our champion, to be on our side, to fight on our behalf. Lord, I pray that Haley comes up here. She begins to speak what she's prepared this week, Lord, that it's not her own words, but yours, Lord. We've prayed victory over this space in your son's name. And I proclaim it again. This space was fought for. Your blood was spilled out over so that we can know you, that we can worship you, and that people come to praise your name. And Lord, I pray that we see that. I pray that your words are poured out over us today. We love you and pray all these things in your name. Amen. Wesley House is a building, a building where students go to escape the pressures of college life, where connections happen and different views are welcome where people gather to laugh, learn, and lead. Here, you'll draw closer to Jesus and learn to live like him. Create deep, lasting friendships, worship, study, grow. It's a place for college-age people to encounter God, develop community, deepen faith, discover purpose, and live out their faith in a hurting world. No matter where you find yourself, with Wesley, you're home. Yes, Wesley House is a building, but it's also so much more. When you're here, you're home. Welcome home. All right, be honest. Do we sound like aliens at the end of that video? Because <laughs> we kind of sound like aliens at the end of that video. <laughs> So for those of you that don't know me, my name's Haley. I'm one of the college pastors here. I'm super pumped to be on this little mini stage this time. Um, and I have got to let you guys in on a not so little secret about me. For those of you who have met with me for coffees or lunch, you may have already picked up on this. But for those of you that have not yet, um, I just gotta say nine out of 10 times, I'll be late. I'm sorry, it is not intentional and it is nothing personal. I just have the worst time management ever. It is actually an issue. It's truly a miracle that I have made it this far in life with how terrible my time management is. Um, but this is something that I have been working on. Um, I like to make myself feel a little bit better about it by saying the term fashionably late was coined after me, um, but it is an issue and I am working on it. And one thing that I have learned about myself throughout this process is that the problem is I really just misjudge how long something will take me to do. So for example, let's say I have a meeting in the morning. I think, okay, I can set my alarm for 8.15, 8.30, roll right out of bed, it'll take me five minutes to get ready, five minutes to drive to work, and I'll be early and calm, cool, and collected when I come in for my nine o'clock meeting. That is not anywhere close to the reality. I snooze my alarm three, four, maybe five times. I do not take five minutes to get ready. I take 35, maybe 40 minutes to get ready, and it does not take me five minutes to drive to work. It takes me 15 to 20 minutes. 
So instead of being cool and collected, I am now rushed, frazzled, endangering the public by driving like a NASCAR driver, which I'm not, and showing up frazzled and sweaty and late to my meeting. Why do I do this, though? This is like a reoccurring thing for me. When I could easily just lay out my clothes the night before, set my alarm earlier, wake up you know, on time, not snooze my alarm five times, I could plan out the time it takes me to actually do things, and I could leave on time and show up unrushed and on time. Why, why don't I do that? Why don't I do the thing that I need to do? Maybe for you, oversleeping is not an issue, time management's not an issue, you're type A and you've got that one down. But maybe for you, you stay out a little too late at night and so you skip class the next day. Or maybe you are not actually reading that book that you're assigned, you're just spark noting it and relying on your friends to give you the answers to the project. I definitely have been there. You know, none of these things are really that big of a deal. Right? None of them are really like that problematic. But what about when they are? What if we take it a step deeper? What if someone says some racist, sexist, homophobic joke, and instead of doing what you want to do or feel like you should and shut it down, you just kind of brush it off and stay in your little comfort bubble with that? Or maybe you hear someone gossip or spreading rumors, and instead of shutting that down, doing what you want to do or should do, you either pass on the gossip or maybe silently judge the person that was gossiping in the first place. Or maybe you're going to a party because you want to be social, more social this semester, you want to have fun with your friends, but you feel like you need a little liquid courage to be more extroverted and you end up with one too many. Why? do we do these things? Why do we do these things that we know we shouldn't? Because we're choosing the easier path, right? For me, setting the alarm, why'd I do that? Not setting my alarm or not waking up to my alarm, actually, because it's easier. My sleeping brain thinks, oh, I can totally justify being late to this meeting. I could get ready in two minutes. I could definitely get there in three minutes or you don't want to make waves with your friendships or relationships. You don't want to experience FOMO or be that person that prevents other people from having fun. Or what about our faith, right? We do this in our faith all the time. Please tell me I'm not the only person who has slept through church because you know that you can watch it online later, or you're waiting for the Instagram post where it perfectly recaps the sermon for you. Or isn't it easier when we make our faith a to-do list like, it feels so much easier to just kind of check off, conveniently check off things that we can do to be kind of this good Christian. Or maybe you hear someone say something wrong or misleading about the Bible or God, and instead of sharing the truth of that, you just stay silent. Why? Why do we do the easy thing over the right thing? Why do we feel a nudge, a push to do something, and we don't? It's because we're choosing convenience over conviction. And maybe you're sitting here thinking, like, 
mm, I feel very called out right now. <laughs> well, that might be your conviction kicking in because the truth is that God did not create us to be people who choose the easy or convenient thing. He called us to be faithful and obedient. We're called to be people who choose conviction, who choose the right thing over convenience, the easy thing. But how do we do that? How do we become these people who are going to live out our convictions? How do we overcome barriers that we face? What are the barriers that we face to this? And how do we become people who are going to be faithful and obedient to God's will in our life? So I want to look at the Apostle Paul. I want to see how he did this. We're going to look at a story about how he had a lot of things going against him. He had every reason to choose the easy path, but he doesn't. So we're going to look at why he doesn't choose the easy path. We're going to get to the root of the barriers that we face in our own lives about not living out our convictions. And I'm going to give you some really practical ways that hopefully you can implement this into your life this week. Does that sound good? Cool. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you so much um, for these students, this ministry that I have the privilege of being a part of. I thank you for every student that showed up tonight, despite whatever else was pulling their attention or their schedule away. Lord, I pray that these words would not be my words, but they would be your words, um, and they would speak to the people in this room. I pray that they would have ears to listen and to hear whatever it is that you are speaking to them. Lord, we love you so much, and we're grateful for your grace. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, so we are going to be continuing through the book of Acts. We're going to be in Acts 20 and 21. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. Um, if not, they'll be on the stage or on the screen. Hopefully you can read that. So we are going to be looking at what Paul is up to. This chapter and the next two chapters really lead into the final section of the book of Acts. Paul has just gone on three missionary journeys, and he is heading to the city of Jerusalem, to the church there, and he has spent his time gathering money and offerings from churches that he has been bouncing around to because he wants to bring an offering to the church in Jerusalem because they have a need and he wants to provide for that need. But he also hopes that this offering will unify the Jewish and the Gentile churches. So at this moment, what we're about to read, Paul is saying goodbye to his friends. They're the Ephesian elders of the church. If you've heard of the letter of Ephesians in the Bible, these are those people. He's saying goodbye to his friends, and he's telling them why he is leaving. So you can read it up on the screen. This is verse 22. It says, and now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life nothing to me, if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Okay, what's happening? Paul is compelled by the Spirit. I like to call these little Holy Spirit nudges. 
Paul is compelled, he is nudged, he is convicted by the Spirit to do what? To go to Jerusalem to bring this offering that will hopefully bring unity to these two different kinds of churches that are currently existing. But right away, we read that this is not an easy thing. It says, not knowing what will happen to me there, only that the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. That's a big no from me. I would not be going on this mission knowing that prison and hardship were awaiting me. And this gets to the root of our first barrier. Why don't we live out our convictions? Because we're afraid. Isn't it scary to not know what your future holds? Isn't that what a lot of our anxiety or just perilous comes from? We're afraid of the unknown. It's like actually one of almost everyone's top three biggest fears is just the unknown. It's scary. Now imagine you do know what your future holds, and it's prison and hardship. Would you, would you go? Probably not. I don't think I would. Because deep down inside each of us is this fear to face what is difficult or painful. Right? We avoid it. That's why we have safety precautions. We don't want to be hurt. But Paul literally knew that he would face imprisonment and possibly death by leaning into this conviction. But he goes anyway. So we go on with the story, and he is leaving his friends from the Ephesian church, and he makes his way to the church in Jerusalem. But remember, this guy's walking, so he's got to, like, make a lot of stops to get there in this journey. And it says, finding the disciples there, we stayed with them seven days. This is in chapter 21, by the way. It's up there, 21, verse 4. Finding the disciples there, we stayed with them seven days. Though the spirit, through the Spirit, they urged Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. So then you see they continue. They stop in a few different cities, stay with some friends there. And then we pick up in verse 10. It says, after we had been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt and tied his own hands and feet with it and said, the Holy Spirit says... In this way, the Jews of Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go to Jerusalem. Okay, a lot is happening there. It took me probably 10 plus times to like really get what's going on here. But what I want you to focus on is look at what his friends are telling him at every one of these stops. Are they being encouraging? Are they cheering him on with this journey? No, it says they were discouraging him, pleading with him not to go. And then you have this guy who like actually shows that he's going to be bound and captured by these people. His friends are not encouraging. And a lot of times we don't live out our convictions because we are afraid of what others will think if we do. That's the second barrier. 
And this one feels extra personal to me. I'm a two on the Enneagram. If you don't know what that is, look it up. You should also know what you are on the Enneagram. It's very helpful. But as a two, I care deeply about what others think. I want to make people happy. My worst fear is letting people down or having people be disappointed in me. So the idea of all my friends being like, mm, no, you should really not do this, I, I would just be like, okay, yeah, we're not going. We are not going. But Paul doesn't. He has everyone around him saying, do not do this. Because they care about him, they're worried about his you know, imprisonment and death. Makes sense. But he goes anyway. I think a lot of times, whether you're a two or not, we don't want to go against the flow, right? You don't want attention on you that could be perceived as negative. You don't want to stand out like in a bad way. But Paul goes anyway. He responds by saying, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? Which is very dramatic. I am not only ready to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And it says, when he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said, the Lord's will be done, which I imagine his friends saying very sarcastically. I am not only ready to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Paul was so deeply committed to his convictions. Remember what he said earlier, however I consider my life worth nothing to me, if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord has given me the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. When was the last time you were that passionate about something? When was the last time you cared so deeply about something that you were willing to dedicate your life to that cause? If you're like a fairly normal person, you probably can't really think of a time, and that's okay. Why do we choose convenience over conviction? Because a lot of times we lack an eternal perspective. That's our second barrier. We have fear of the unknown, fear of what others will think, and lacking an eternal perspective. Of course, it's way easier to choose the easy path to stay in our comfort bubble when we are choosing immediate comfort over eternal spiritual faithfulness. Now, this is a big jump to think of dying for your faith like Paul did, and then you have me who cannot motivate myself to go physically into a store, so I just Amazon Prime everything, or I cannot be bothered to actually wait in line for coffee or food, so I just mobile order everything, right? Like, it seems kind of ridiculous when you have these comparisons. And my point is not that we have to feel guilty or bad about having access to easier paths. Like, that's not a bad thing at all. The point is that Paul is so deeply committed to his convictions, committed to his spiritual well-being, that he is not willing to sacrifice for comfort or let fear stand in his way. He goes anyway because he believed the purpose that he was going for, to unify the church, was bigger than himself. I don't know why you showed up tonight. I know there's a million things 
that are drawing your attention. So I don't know why you spent your time coming here. But if you are serious about growing in your faith, about being someone that is faithful and obedient, living out your convictions is kind of a non-negotiable. How do we actually do this, though? We know the barriers. We know the root of them, what prevents us from living this out. So how can we actually be people who will live out our convictions? First, you have to actually believe God's will is trustworthy and better than your own. Of course, it's going to be hard to live out your convictions if you don't believe that God actually has the best interest in mind for you. You have to grow in your love for the Lord and seek his glory over our own. If you were here last week, Isaiah talked about this feeling of imbalance in our lives and how we have to prioritize around what God says. These priorities become patterns in our life, and the more we align ourselves with the heart of God, the more our passions and desires will become like what Jesus intended for us. Second, we got to read our Bibles for ourselves. It's so much easier, I know this because I used to do this, to just like come here and absorb what Isaiah or myself or someone else tells you about the Bible. But I promise you, it is so much richer for you to read what God says yourself. I'll be honest, I did not read the Old Testament, like really read the Old Testament until like two years ago. And I was in ministry at the time, so that's like really bad. But I didn't read it because I was afraid. I was afraid that my idea of God would be changed because I'd read about, you know, the like wrath and violence. And I was afraid that God just would be different than what I thought. Or I had this idea that I had to already understand scripture. How would I understand it already if I've never read it? It is really, really sad. Like this is something that actually makes me genuinely very sad how many people miss out on the extraordinary larger picture of scripture the bigger story of god's love for us because we pick and choose these sections that we want to read or we don't read it at all because we're just intimidated by it the goal of this we want to be people who are so familiar with god's character his voice his ways that we recognize the guidance he has for our lives. Third thing, gotta make time for prayer. Jesus talks about how the sheep know the voice of the shepherd. We are not going to hear God's voice if we do not make time to listen and hear it. Like, do you know God's voice? And I'm not talking like an actual voice. If you hear God's voice, please come talk to us because we got to get connected to you because you have like a special connection to heaven or something. But do you know what God's voice sounds like in your mind? Does it sound different than just those negative thoughts that you're spiraling or different than whoever is like heavily influencing your life? Does God's voice sound different to you than that? And then the last thing is you have to take that first step. The conviction that we see in Paul's life, it wasn't that Paul just woke up one day and was like, yes, I am ready to die for Jesus. Like, he had been daily sacrificing his time, his plans, 
that is how we become more in tune with the Holy Spirit. We sacrifice our time, our plans, and comfort to follow God's lead. So maybe you're sitting here thinking, okay, living out conviction sounds A, terrible, B, horrible, C, impossible. You're probably in one of those areas. Why would you even bother trying? You know what happened to Paul when he went to Jerusalem? Did he get imprisoned? Yes. But God used that hardship. He brought Paul to Rome. Paul spread the gospel to the guy in power at the time, his household. And he probably wrote Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians which are all in the New Testament, if Paul had ignored his convictions or he had been too scared to take that leap of faith, we would probably not have a lot of the books in the New Testament. We just probably would not have them. So why live out your convictions? It has the power to spread the gospel. Now, sometimes when we talk about conviction, we talk about sin because it's part of it. At the heart, conviction is a motivation from, spirit, from the spirit to change. And the truth is, sin is so oppressive. When we talk about sin and conviction, it can feel like God wants to pile on all this shame and guilt and this rule book for our lives. It can feel like God wants to restrict our lives. God wants to set us Free. God knows that sin is oppressive, that it turns us into people that we were never intended to be. When you think of injustice or murder or any other evil or wrong thing in this world, some which are done by people who are deeply committed, this is imbalance and oppression. And God knows there is something better for us. Our goal is not simply to have deep convictions. Our goal is to be deeply committed to the will of God in our lives. God wants us to experience freedom, joy, peace, contentment. And when we ignore or justify or feel too busy to pay attention to those little nudges, the little pushes, the little convictions, we miss out on those promises. And we miss out on opportunities to share those promises with others. Living out your conviction spreads the gospel, and it brings freedom in our lives and in others' lives. And it may sound harder, but doesn't that sound kind of amazing? For those of you who don't know me super well or don't know my story or don't know how I got here in this job, when I graduated college, I actually moved to Dallas, and I worked in the middle school ministry as one of the pastors there. That's how I met Isaiah. And... Um, while I loved my job there, I ended up moving back home to Kansas City. And for about a year, I was like actively living in this. I was wrestling with this conviction, this feeling of knowing I was just not in the right spot. I had no idea what the future was for me, but there was just something in me that was just not settled at all. I just felt restless every day. I was very unhappy in the job I was doing there. And what was weird was, I was surrounded by my family. I was surrounded by my friends. I had like all my comfort was just right around me. Yet internally, 
I was so restless because I could not shake this little nudge, this little feeling telling me there was something else for me. Did I know that it would be this job? No. But what's crazy is I almost did not accept this job. When I got offered this job, I was literally like 97% not going to accept it because I was way too anxious about what the future would hold for me here. I was afraid what other people would think coming back to a job that I kind of, you know, got out of pretty quick, what it would be like to have three jobs in under two years of graduating, not a good look on your resume, would not recommend, what it would be like for me to come back to this space, would it be different, or would I still feel the same way that I felt the first time? And I genuinely could not imagine what would have happened and how just sad it would have been for me to miss out on an opportunity like this one, to come here and to be able to know y'all and do life together, if I would not have like listened to that nudge. And what's crazy too, is I had so much anxiety leading up to that moment. And the second I moved here, and on my very first day, I have had nothing but peace, genuinely nothing but peace ever since being here. And so I say all that because I'm passionate about this topic. It is very real for me that when you live out your convictions, it really does bring freedom. It really does bring the gospel and spread it. And is it going to be easy? No. It was very difficult for me to move here and to leave my comfort and my community behind. Is it going to be scary? Pretty much always a yes. It will be scary to put yourself out there. But I promise you, the convictions are grace-filled blessings from the Lord, and you will be missing out if you do not lean into them and live them out. So I'm going to invite the band to come back up here, and I want you to just think for a moment. Where do you need to show faith and conviction today? How is the Spirit nudging you? Are you living in a way that glorifies God? Is there an area in your life that needs a change, a relationship, or a habit that is standing in your way from becoming the person God intended you to be? Is God calling you to step beyond your comfort zone and serve in some capacity? Is there a need that you could fill or meet if you weren't so afraid or preoccupied? Maybe someone is coming to mind right now. Maybe these things aren't applying to you. Maybe it's applying to someone else. Is there someone on your heart that God is prompting you that you need to invite into this community or share this message with or share the gospel with? Maybe God is inviting you to evaluate your priorities. Maybe he's prompting you to take a very good look at your calendar and re-evaluate where are you spending your time? Where are you spending your energy? Is there someone you need to forgive? Is there someone you need to seek out to ask for them to forgive you? Maybe God is prompting you to stop playing it so safe in your faith. Maybe you're here because the door was open and you wandered in and you have no idea what I've been talking about this whole time. Maybe the prompting for you is just to see what faith is about and ask those questions. I don't know what God's will is for you, and I have absolutely no idea what the Spirit could be nudging you to do. 
I do know, if you pray and just say, God, what, what are you wanting me to know? What are you wanting me to pay attention to? And really, really listen, he will answer you. What I'm challenging you to do is just to start the work of becoming someone who chooses conviction over convenience. This ministry, this campus, the world <laughs> actually needs us to be people who live out what we proclaim about Christ. There are way too many people who are carrying the banner of Christ and not actually living out lives that reflect Jesus. So I would just pray over each of us that are in this room that we would be willing to be transformed, that we would be willing to pay attention and to lean into those nudges that we may be experiencing. So I'm going to end with this question. Will you be someone who lives by convenience or by conviction? Stand and sing with us.